What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. David Hassagan here, as always, with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How's it going? Doing just fine. We're here on another beautiful Monday morning. A little overcast, but you know what we can do with it. Finally starting to feel like fall. It's starting to feel like football weather out there, folks. It's about time, because we had a couple days last week where it was in the 80s here in the Northeast. That is, uh, that is not football weather the chill is finally starting to get into the air and the football season is heating up we are about at the halfway mark going into week seven we'll have our week six review of course our game balls going to talk about our top 25s before they get released we got some new expansion coming to the fcs it was one by the end of this of uh, about seven days now we're up to three new teams possibly going into d1 at the fcs level next season we'll talk about that and we'll talk about our Week 7 preview, of course. And, of course, if you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. You can find all of the information there. You might discover that some of us were right about certain teams in our uh, preview podcast, by the way. <laughs> UC Davis. Um, uh, you can check those out, though, and subscribe while you're there because we do have NFL content as well. The NFL All 32 podcast is available on both channels. If you are in the New York metro area, again, don't forget to tune into the Game Plus Network Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 6.30 p.m. for our college football, NFL football, and our best bets uh, TV shows. You can get that on Optimum. And don't forget to go to Football Game Plan for all of your football knowledge and to pre-order your copy of, or not pre-order, you can just order them now. They're in stock, your copy of the Go-Go Offense uh, while you are there. Emery, you got anything else for us this morning? You feeling all right after your long trip back from Erie? Man, it's a long weekend, man, but it's football <laughs> season, a long trip from Erie, uh, you know, covering the PSAC and doing that game up there, Mercyhurst and Slippery Rock, both of which to me, that whole conference could be an FCS conference if it wanted to be because the, the size, skill, athleticism, yeah. tremendous up there, and there's, it's just a long weekend. There's a couple of conferences like that. We'll get into that, too, when we get into our uh, expansion here, folks. But let's talk about week six, the week that was, and just a few more upsets to talk about. It seems like it's a weekly occurrence. The top ten relatively unchanged this past, uh, from week to week, probably for this week. Not too many upsets there, but plenty around the rest of the top 25, and we got to start... Like I said, UC Davis, number 12 UC Davis, who, okay, they lost to North Dakota State. Fair enough, everybody does. Now they've lost three in a row, and they lose to North Dakota, 38-36. All of a sudden, the Fighting Hawks are in the conversation, potentially, to be a playoff team as an independent. They looked very good this season. Yeah, they have, and, and they have a really tough schedule ahead of them. They got, you know, Montana State, Weber State, uh, those are two juggernauts that they have to play. You know, they lost to Eastern Washington. They lost to North Dakota. And this win against UC Davis was very impressive, just coupled with the one they got a couple of weeks ago against Sam Houston State. But a great win for North Dakota. And that's two wins against the top 25 this season. They beat Sam Houston State a couple of weeks ago. Barely lost to Eastern Washington. Who have also, well, we'll get to them in just a second. But as you said, Montana State, Weber State in back-to-back weeks. They got Idaho State this week, which might be a difficult game for them. We'll talk about that later on. Let's move to Eastern Washington, though, and the problems just get worse and worse for the Eagles, who they were so high in terms of their expectations. They were ranked in the top five in the preseason, and now they get walloped by Sacramento State 48-27. This one wasn't close, and maybe we should start paying attention to the Hornets more than we should to the Eagles. Preseason, I did say Sacramento State is a team to watch yep. because of the new coaching staff over there. Craig Haley actually put Sacramento State in this top 25 prior to this week, I believe. Yep, and he's got North Dakota in there as well. I saw yeah, that on so, Twitter. You know, you talk about this team quietly bubbling underneath the surface. Kevin Thompson was phenomenal in that ball game, throwing five touchdown passes, uh, taking advantage of a secondary, and, and they were up big in this ball game. They, this was one that they dominated throughout, in my opinion. It, it certainly was, and you look at South Dakota, at Sacramento State, excuse me, their uh, their schedule. They took Arizona State to the brink in Week Two. That team is now ranked in the top twenty-five. They took another FBS team in Fresno State. They lost by fourteen there, but they shut out Northern Colorado. They walloped Southern Oregon in Week One, and now they've crushed a top twenty-five team. But here's the thing: Montana State and Montana next two weeks. We're going to find out a lot about Sac State. Absolutely, and it, again, this this is how you want to earn your respect on the field. 
Another upset in the top 25 this week comes out of the Wild West, that is the Southland Conference. McNeese 38-34 over number 17, Southeastern Louisiana. McNeese, again, the kind of a forgotten team this year. A lot of the talk in the Southland has been about Houston Baptist. It's been about Nichols, Central Arkansas. McNeese comes up and hits Southeastern Louisiana right in the face, and all of a sudden they're right back in the conversation. Well, they had to fight back to regain control of this game that they were dominating 31-3. Then they lost control. McNeese took a, I'm sorry, Southeastern Louisiana took a lead. I was more impressed with McNeese's offense because that's something that hadn't shown up all season long. Yeah. They've been playing good defense. Their offense hadn't really joined the party. They needed their offense and their defense in this ballgame. Great win for the Cowboys. Orgeron with three uh, touching uh, passing touchdowns, only 12 of 29 through the air. So imagine what he could have gotten out of that game, but still led the team down for the nice win there. A very close game in the CAA, and this is one that, we had our eye on as maybe a trap game, perhaps. Villanova handles their business. They get the win. 35-28, though, against William & Mary. What we said all year long, and if you had ordered the book, you would know this going in, William & Mary with the go-go offense all of a sudden is turning into a real problem in the CAA, but Nova very barely survives. Yeah, they barely survive, and you look at a defense that was so stingy throughout the season – William & Mary coming in there, playing their style of offense, doing a great job and creating big play opportunities. And so impressive, again, for the Tribe. But once again, a young team not knowing how to win and close out games. But you credit Villanova's veteran leadership on that defense and also on offense to get the win. Villanova, another team that is slowly gaining more and more respect. They are number five. Well, it's interesting to see if they move up at all uh, when the polls come out in just a couple hours. Another upset, it was for in terms of the national top 25, it wasn't in terms of mine. Nichols over Central Arkansas, 34-14. Um, Nichols was number 16, Central Arkansas was 11. I actually had Nichols ahead of Central Arkansas by a couple of spots, so I'm not totally surprised, but I thought this was going to be a closer ball game, but a good win for Nichols. I actually predicted Nichols to win this game in uh, the FCS kickoff previews. Uh, when you look at Central Arkansas, yeah, they were playing some good football. They had the upset against Western Kentucky. But the, the games they were playing were so close, and they couldn't stop the run. Yeah. And when you couple that with the fact that Nichols got back Sully Leach last week, he played a huge role in this ball game, And, you know, their ability to run the football, I thought, was a big reason why they were, I was leaning toward them, and I picked them to win the game. And it ended up, you know, proving me right by going out there and dominating Central Arkansas. And Chase Forkade had himself a great game too, 24 of 29 through the air for 327. But again, the running game, they, they have a, a ton of people who can run the ball at Nichols. And that just opened up the passing game beautifully for them. So a nice win for Nichols. We'll get to them in a second again. But I've got them now close, to, if not in the top 10. We'll see what happens there. And then one more game to talk about here, folks. Number 13, Northern Iowa, taking on number 18, Youngstown. Northern Iowa, a team that always seems to be hanging around in the Missouri Valley. They're always that third, maybe fourth team in terms of the depth chart. Youngstown's one of these teams that, you know, has was down for a couple years. They are much better now. Good ball game here. Northern Iowa gets the win, 21-14, and a nice little momentum builder as they take on the Bison this week. Well, yeah, you can't really blame Youngstown State for the loss. This was just a great game. They lost a, a great football team. Yeah. I was shocked that Northern Iowa's, you know, game coming into this this season I thought this would be a down year for the Panthers losing their best rusher pass rusher losing their you know starting quarterback but they've quietly been very good nearly yeah. with the upset of Iowa State in week one they come out here take care of business against a very good Penguins team I know this is this isn't a, a knock on Youngstown State they're still very good yeah. and, and will be in the mix and perhaps make the playoffs but Northern Iowa puts themselves firmly in the mix to be one of those top-tier teams. I would say top 12, and we'll get to our top 25 yeah. uh, in a minute. But I thought this was a really good quality win for the Panthers. And you talk about what Youngstown State normally does, and that's run the football. Youngstown State is always known for that, and they were really just held down in this ball game. They barely got over 50 yards rushing. Uh, so Northern Iowa's defense, a big key for that win. Some other games with note before we get to our game balls. Uh, number two, JMU over number 24, Stony Brook, 45-38 in overtime. Good ball game there. Florida A&M, a last-minute last, sec, a last touchdown to beat NC Central, 28-21. Southeast Missouri, 43-37 in two overtimes over Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech now 4-2 and two on the season. They've quietly had a good year. Furman, number 14, 58-14 over Samford. And VMI, 34-21 over the Citadel in the Military Classic. 
of the South. Let's get to our game balls. Emery, we'll start with you. Who's your first game ball for week six? Offensively, going to the running back position, Pierre Strong Jr. of South Dakota State, 20 carries, 229 yards, 11 yards carry, and a touchdown in a 28-10 win over Southern Illinois. When you're able to run the football like that, you do a great job in, in spearheading your team and you're playing from ahead, you're playing with the lead, and you're able to close out the game. Strong, proved to be strong against the Salukis. A very uh, a workmanlike performance, too, with 20 carries for 229. I'm going to go with a pair of players from my first offensive game ball here. A pair of wide receivers from Northern Arizona, Brandon Porter, and I'm going to struggle with this name, so I apologize to begin with, Stacy Chukwemizi from Northern Arizona. They combined for 14 catches, 308 yards, and three touchdowns. Northern Arizona, still a dark horse, maybe to make the postseason out of the big sky. So a great game for both of those young men. Yeah, absolutely. And defensively, I'm going to go to Georgetown. Defensive lineman Christian Tate, seven tackles, one and a half TFLs, a sack. They needed all of that production in a 14-8 win over Cornell. Quietly, Cornell looks to be really good this year, or competitive at least. But Georgetown needed their defense to step up big, and Tate was a big reason why they had the win against the Big Red. Excuse me while I get uh, this platter out of the kitchen. It's time for me to eat a little crow because, as you know, (laughs) I have never been exactly – I've had a a slight bit of a vendetta against uh, University of New Hampshire after a couple years ago when they felt that they kind of robbed their way because of their conference into the postseason. But you know what? This past week, they earned it. They got a nice win finally on the record, but their defense was the big reason why. Four interceptions, two of them returned for touchdowns. Ola Manzik, 55 yards, and Evan Horn returned one for 50. University of New Hampshire, they've had some some really tough circumstances this year. They're starting to bounce back really nicely. They went 26-10 over Elon. New Hampshire, all of a sudden, might be a team that if they get on a run, they're 3-2. We know what happens in the CAA. So good win for New Hampshire and good defensive display. Well, you're talking about defensive display. I always give props to those that are able to get shout-outs because it's so hard to do in college football. South Dakota, defense (laughs) has never been a part of the equation. It's always been all offense. Ever. And so for the Coyotes (laughs) to go out there and get a shutout against a very solid, in my opinion, Indiana State team, that was, to me, the most impressive defensive output of the weekend. 38 to nothing conference game, good opponent. South Dakota State's defense stepped up and showed out. I'm going to go to the. Uh, I, I always like if I if I can find a kicker that's worth mentioning, I will find the kicker worth mentioning. And I've got one this week, Jake Larson, uh, the kicker from Richmond, three for four on field goals, but hit two from 48 and 50 this week. So good to see some consistency there. But again, Richmond needed that. Richmond needed that to get the win. A nice victory this week. For the Spiders, they knock off Albany, who had looked pretty good early on in the season, uh, 23-20. So a nice win for Richmond, and they needed every single point. Yeah, and Richmond's defense, Maurice Jackson, is is a really good defensive edge rusher, and we'll see uh, if they can continue to, to build on this moving forward. And I've got to give one more shout-out to, to the defense-slash-special-teams for Grambling. Two touchdowns, one on an interception touchdown from Joseph McWilliams, and then Devonier Martin with a field goal block for a touchdown, 70 yards. Big, big points for Grambling in their win this week. A lot of really good. Uh, That's um, their first win of the season, too. Yeah, finally, finally get their, get on the board. They're still very much in the race, though, for the SWAC West. A lot of great personal performances out there. If you want to check them out, all the box scores, everything that you want in terms of stats is on FCS Stats. You just search FCS Football. You can find it all there. Again, folks, this is the SDS Opening Drive Podcast presented by Football Game Plan, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the Week 7 preview. Let's talk about our top 25s going into Week 7, Emory. Obviously, the polls, again, while we're recording this, are coming out in a couple hours' time. But, again, not much movement maybe at the top, but in the middle and at the bottom, there's definitely been a kind of a shuffle after Week 6. So let's start with you. Where do you have for your top five? Top five, I went North Dakota State, James Madison, Villanova, I moved them up ahead of South Dakota State, who's at okay. number four, and at number five, Montana. I see. I, I, I have a lot of similarities there. Bison, number one. JMU Dukes at two. I still have Weaver at number three. I think they still have a really solid team that no one's talking about. South Dakota State at four, and I moved Montana to number five, and this is going to just hit, you know, this is going to be a nice shot to the ego for the Montana Grizzlies because I moved them ahead of Montana State by, a, by one spot this week. So, uh it's you know just just a little shot of ego for you Grizzly fans out there. Well, I'm surprised that you still have Weber State in your top five. I mean, yes, they're three and two. They won two straight. 
I know they played really good games against FBS opponents, um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I, they have done nothing for me that has warranted them dropping in the rankings. Gotcha. Uh, granted, I, I, like Idaho, not the best of teams, still got the win. UNI, nice win. They've got Southern Utah next, but then they have Northern Arizona and UC Davis. So they're going into the heart of their schedule. For me, they have done nothing that warrants me okay, you're going to drop now. Yeah, I feel uh, yeah, Now that you explain, it makes sense. Um, like, that whole section from, like, three to six, maybe seven, is pretty close. You know, obviously you got North Coast State and JMU 1-2 are, you know, pretty sound. Um, but I'll just go into my next group here. I got Montana State at six, Villanova at seven, Towson eight, Nichols at nine, and Kennesaw at ten. So that whole group from about three to seven is pretty fluid. Well, we both agree on Kennesaw. I have them at ten. Uh, but 6 through 10 for me, Montana State, uh, it's funny, I have them right behind Montana. Yep. Uh, Furman at 7, 8, I have Weber State, okay. and Towson at 9. Okay, yeah. It, it's There seems to be a, a pretty good hierarchy right now. Of, okay, these are the top 10 slash 12 right. teams in the country. And we had a lot of buys last week, too. A lot of buys, yeah. So, kind of, you know, you had teams that didn't play. Towson had a buy, Kennesaw had a buy, right. Maine, so Delaware. They kind of stuck there because you're like, okay, do I move teams up? But Kennesaw didn't play, so they didn't lose. Right. And Towson didn't play, they didn't lose. So it's, that makes putting together a top 25 tough. Unless you are North Dakota State and have a bye week where it's clearly known that you're number one. Right. It's tough to move you know, teams around Kennesaw and, and Towson based off you know them not playing a game last yeah, week. Yeah, like I moved Nichols up because I did get a win over a top 25 opponent. I moved them ahead of Kennesaw. Um, again, no punishment intended for Kennesaw at all. I moved them down only a spot. Um, from last week. Let's get into my next five, 11 to 15. North Carolina A&T at 11. I've got Northern Iowa at number 12. Maine at 13. Delaware 14. And Central Arkansas moves down to 15 this week for me. Completely different on my end. I have Nichols, North Carolina A&T, Northern Iowa. I bumped up Southeast Missouri State. I thought they did, did a great job this weekend. And I moved down Youngstown State, who was in my top 10 last weekend, but the loss to Northern Iowa, I dropped them to 15. Okay, I, I can see where you're going with that. I mean, I think with, in terms of Youngstown, I think they were moved up mostly because of the name a little bit. They obviously they've put a, True. A, some good performances this year. Um, I didn't have them nearly that high last week. Last week I had Youngstown at number 19. You know, just because okay, you know, get me one more win. If they had beaten Northern Iowa, they're a top 15 team for me easily. Um, moving into my next five, I got Southeast Missouri State at 16 for me. I've got Furman at 17. Illinois State moves down to 18 this week. Jacksonville State at 19 and Youngstown at number 20. Youngstown at 20. Uh, I don't know. I always like to reward teams that were undefeated, you know, because you only can play who's on the schedule. So 16 for me is Southeastern Louisiana. 17, another one of these teams that had a bye that's tough to move was Delaware for me. Yep. I moved up Dartmouth at 18. Stony Brook, very good game against JMU last week. Could have yes. had the game won. Uh, so they, they didn't lose any spots for me and 20 was Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State was interesting because when I was calling the game uh, up in, in Mercyhurst, we looked at the box score, and, you know, you saw Jacksonville State just losing. To Tennessee State. Right. Tennessee State, and, you know, had this game look to be won, and, you know, they were up big, and then Jacksonville State came back. And then when you look at it, you're like, man, Jacksonville State won that game, and you expect them to be like two and three, but they're four and two. Yeah. You know, Granted, their losses are ugly losses. Very ugly losses. But, you know, they, they still found a way to win, and I wanted to reward them for that, so they ended up at number 20. And then SEMO as well, they they had a tough game against Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech's a team that no one's They're, talked about. They were in my top 25 last weekend, so they are good. Four and two. This They're was a, with, this was a good State. loss. There's no, uh, you know, moral victories, but this was a loss that showed you that Tennessee Tech is not a bad football team no. at all. Neither is a team. Quietly, if we're talking about the OVC, UT Martin did a really good job. Yeah. Tennessee Tech look, looks good. UT Jacksonville Martin's State top. is still in there. Yeah. UT Martin is 2-0 and in conference. And by the way, they get Tennessee Tech this week. That's be a great game. This is going to be the biggest football event in the state of Tennessee since the Manning brothers left. <laughs> wow. So you're just going to excuse that powerhouse Georgia State game against Tennessee in week one. Exactly. Wow. Well, a good, a positive for Tennessee. This is a great. This is great for the OVC. <laughs> good, yeah. It's been a, a underrated can, year. Under can, year in the they OVC. They can quietly position themselves to get two, maybe three teams in. Because the Big Sky's been weaker. SoCon's turned into a dogfight. Missouri Valley, good at the top, not so good in the middle. 
Some teams that usually get we, – we've seen the Big South get two teams in. Maybe not, it's just it's a not one. Be year. Happen this it's not year. this year. Not going to happen this year. And so that opens the door for the OVC. Shout and, out to the OVC. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into the last five here because this is where it gets interesting. I still have UC Davis ranked. I've got them at number 21. I've got Wofford at 22. They got a nice win this week. Dartmouth at 23. Stony Brook was the only team I moved into my top 25 despite the loss to JMU. They showed me a lot and they have the last couple of weeks. So they move into number 24. Eastern Washington holds on because I had them a little bit higher than the national poll. That's the only reason I still have them in there. Anything that looks like a struggle next week and they're gone, even if they win the game. I don't know why you hate undefeated teams and and, and reward <laughs> losers. So 21 through 25 for me is always – I always use the back end of the 25 to, to, you know, to give credit to those that are playing good football and those that are still winning football games because winning does count, Dave. Um <laughs> <laughs> 21, South Carolina State, who hadn't played in like three weeks. Yeah, that, they, that's the only reason I did not rank them is because they had had such a, like, I don't know what's happening. Now. But imagine <laughs> they had that long layoff and come out flat. They came out as strong as ever yeah. and beat Delaware State. 22, I have Sam Houston State. Okay. Good win for the program in the Battle of the Piney Woods. Um, Maine at 23. Wow, Princeton at 24. Maine was on a bye and then some of their losses, I, I didn't like how they lost. Okay. So I pushed them okay, down. I, I didn't move them completely out of the 25. I, yeah. I, I was tempted to, but I was like, you know what? They're still a good team. You know, this still had, a CAA team, still yeah. in contention. Well, not even CAA. It's just that, you know, for Jacksonville State, their two losses are horrible losses. Yes. I thought Maine had a couple of horrible losses, but I still feel like Maine is, is a solid team. I right. like the quarterback. I love what they do defensively. So I, I, I gave them enough credit to hold on there. Princeton at 24. Undefeated. True. But it's the Ivy League. The Ivy League shouldn't get any credit for anything. Undefeated football team. <laughs> and at number 25, a team that no one is talking about that I think no one wants to play, Central Connecticut State. Quietly, defensively, the Blue Devils have put up some... They should be undefeated. They held Sacred Heart to three points. And I've seen Sacred Heart's offense live when they played LIU. Granted, it's LIU and they're moving up from D2. But their offense was quick fire. It had playmakers be held to three points central connecticut state is right there with duquesne again to win the bid out of the nec my next five by the way after the top 25 i've got albany at number 26 sacramento state 27 they've been but again two very big weeks for them southeastern louisiana was the team that dropped out of my top 25 they were 27 princeton at 28 northern arizona 29 i think I, i like what they've seen from them but again as you mentioned princeton undefeated but they still only played three games Let's see what happens. We'll, we'll get to see them live this upcoming uh, weekend. So we'll get to see them yet. on Friday. So, again, folks, you want to check out the FCS Stats website. That's where the poll will be released at, I believe, it's 1230 every Monday uh, is when they released. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be nice to have a little bit earlier for our, uh, for our producer, Mike McCarthy. But you know what? It's fine. We have the chance to actually think about it and get the polls in on time. So we'll keep an eye on that when the, polls gets re- when the poll gets released. Let's move into our deep dive, Emery, and we we talked about expansion. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. We talked about bringing back the WAC, perhaps as a you know non a non scholarship conference to go along with the Pioneer. Uh, we've talked about local teams in our area bringing football back. Well, D one expansion is happening. It's just coming from below, and now we we originally had one team moving into the FCS ne- uh, for next season. We now potentially could have three. So what we thought we would do is we're going to take a look at all three of these teams, talk about their story, talk about their programs, what they've done this year in D2, and what they could bring to the table. So let's start with the team that we knew about coming in, and that was Dixie State. Trail Blazers, great name, by the way, and a great logo, uh, moving in to as an FBS, uh, FCS independent next year. They're going to the WAC for all other sports. Uh, coming out of the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. They've had a good year this year, 4-1 and one, all in conference. Uh, last week with a 52-22 win over Black Hills State. Next week they have Simon Frazier. Interesting offense here. Dixie State brings a lot to the table in terms of a program. But they've also been a very good program, too. Uh, a yeah. new program, essentially. Not, haven't been new-ish, around, yeah. Yeah, newish. Haven't been around a long time. Similar to Incarnate Word of Houston Baptist. Exactly. Just kind of like, you know. But they've already produced a guy that, that got an invite and played in the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago. He was a tight end. I forget his name. So they've been able to, to get great talent in Utah. Quietly, Utah now has a situation where you got 
uh, Weber State, Southern Utah. You have BYU. Um, Utah Utes. Utah Utes. Utah State. Um, there's I, some good football. Yeah, there's some the, good football. And, and Dixie State moving up, and Utah Valley has flirted with the idea of starting football, which is nearby in between BYU and, and uh, uh, Salt Lake City. So it's in between BYU and Utah. So Dixie State, it, who knew Utah would be, you know, a, a Division One type producing state, you know? <laughs> if there's one thing we know about Mormons, they are persistent <laughs> in their recruitment. So you know what? I think that's is why. But, you, but you're right. It, they, it, you get a lot of players that with these uh actually with the mormon church connection from samoa that are coming over you see that a lot with the roster True. here on dixie state as well um and you know those kind of players who are always fantastic especially on the defensive side of the ball and it really helps in terms of building the program so, so I, it's really interesting so i think dixie state is set up for success long-term success you know going up in in division one play and you know we we did this podcast a year ago talking about if the whack wanted to you know should the WAC start football or restart football again yeah um and we gave some teams that could potentially be in there Dixie State was one of them because we knew they were moving up right um and you know we had a couple other teams we had Utah Valley on that list uh and other teams that have talked about football right but you know now we're starting to see some people actually they're taking their own initiative right and we find we find out later on uh, earlier this week or last week that before Les Miles got the head coaching job at Kansas, he was a part of the committee to try to restart Texas Arlington football again. Yeah. They already have the football stadium down there. We know the Metroplex is, is flush with talent. Yep. Um, and they, I think, play in the WAC as well or the Sun Belt. So that would be another option. But there's another team down in Texas that, that actually pulled the trigger and make, is making a move. And it's another team that would be joining the WAC for all those sports, but it's from you talked about the PSAC being a potential – FCS conference and the state of Pennsylvania is rich right. with football tradition, especially Western Pennsylvania out into Ohio. The one place that probably has them beat is Texas, and you're getting one of the powerhouse programs from Division Two in Texas moving up next year to the FCS level, and that's Tarleton State, the Texans from the Lone Star Conference, easily the strongest conference in Division Two by far. Uh, moving up to D1, they are five and zero. They were number four in the rankings last week. 5-0, 3-0 in conference play. They have a win over Stephen F. Austin as an FCS program this season. They're averaging 46 points per game. They took down number 23 Angelo State with ease last week. They get next Eastern New Mexico next. But this is a program that could be an FBS program in a few years. That's how good this team is. They're good, and you talked about the, the whole conference. Commerce won a championship two years ago. Angelo State is in the top 25. Uh, West Texas A&M is another team that's been rumored to make the move up to the FCS level. Midwestern State is another team that has the capability to move up to the FCS level. So keep an eye on those two programs. Texas A&M Kingsville, people remember them being Texas A&I, and they produced one of the best cornerbacks in football history in Darrell Green. Mm. So the program and, and tradition is deep in the Lone Star Conference. We saw Abilene Christian make that move from the Lone Star to the Southland Conference yep. and have done extremely well for themselves. So this is a really good conference. Not surprised that Tarleton State is making the move. I would be interested to see if other schools in this program, because think about it, Tarleton State already had a draft pick for the Indianapolis Coast last year. Yep. Their running back uh, played with um, – he, uh, he played for the Cardinals coming out of training camp, but ended up in the training camp with the Seattle Seahawks and led them in rushing in the preseason. Um, that's uh, his name slips me, but um, they've had pro talent and they have two pro prospects this year that are on the Senior Bowl watch list. So yeah. there's talent in this in this conference. You talk about AM Commerce. Um, Luis Perez was the guy that won the Harlan Hill, which is a Division II Heisman Trophy. Had a cup of coffee in the NFL, but was you know one of the premier players in the now defunct. Um, Alliance of American Football played with the Birmingham Iron. Mm. So the conference itself is good. Texas, uh, Tarleton State moving up is going to be good for um, whatever team that the conference are going to go in. Because right now there, there's no conference for them football wise. Right. Um, some people have said the Southland, but the Southland is what? 11 teams, 12 Southland teams? Southland is huge it's right huge. now. Yeah. You know, so does this set the table for Dixie State, Tarleton State? 
there's two whack teams already for two whack teams for other sports and you know you look at maybe uh, overflow southland and overflow in the big sky do they pull from them do you take a new mexico state that has been rumored to to drop down to fcs possibly so you know there's some it's going to be interesting to see where this thing ends up uh because i think this is just the first domino to fall and i more toward us having whack football again um, as a conference with Tarleton State, Dixie State, and I would say a good five others, whether yeah. it be upstarts or guys coming from Division Two. Yeah. So, Well, you look at the conference right now. Let's just take a quick look at the whack as it is. With the two teams moving in, you already have Cal State Bakerfield. Uh, you've got Grand Canyon University. Obviously, we've seen them from all the well, here's, here in the local area. Well, here's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon was another program that was rumored to start football. But when you look at um, when you look at how uh, the money is coming in, the, the feasibility study told them that football wouldn't be wise. And I'll give you, I'll help you out. I pulled up the graphic that uh, we did last year when we talked about what yep. WAC football could look like. In the East, we did the East and West Division. Right. We had Chicago State, who was rumored to start football. They was looking to start football to help with their male enrollment. Right. Their declining enrollment. So they were actively looking to start football. Little Rock, uh, who plays basketball in the Sunbelt Conference, all, all sports okay. in Sunbelt. Yep. They were looking to start football. They did a feasibility study. told them football shouldn't be in the cards right now because of the money. Um, even though they already have a stadium, they'll play at War Memorial, where Arkansas plays one one or two games a year in Little Rock. They might be better at that stadium than Arkansas is. Right. It, <laughs> Tarleton State was in that on that list. Arlington, uh, UT, Rio Grande Valley. Yep. Um, Wichita State, we know have we know have uh, did the feasibility study as well. And football is not yet in the cards, but they right. are actively because they want to be. Wichita State actually wants to be group of five or power five there whack could be a, a starting a springboard form which to, i could see from them yeah they, they're great at basketball they're great at they're basketball they're great at baseball yeah um and and they want to be a big time program so they may use the whack to springboard into like the the american athletic conference or something like that right. um, on the western side cal baptist has a ton of money and uh we're in you know looking to explore football we had Dixie State, which, which we talked about. Grand Canyon, which we talked about. Green Bay actually is looking to start football, too. Um, they're booming, and there's no football in that area, uh, college okay. football. Um, and uh, Seattle University uh, has the has the space and, and, you know, maybe explore. Historic the, school, too. Yeah, and, ex, you know, explore the possibility, and we talked about Utah Valley. So there's a list of teams that also play in the WAC right now. Yeah that have the opportunity to make football a possibility for them. And you, and you mentioned New Mexico State. They are actually a full-time member of the WAC. Yeah. They move up to independent in the FBS. So, No, they, they've always been FBS. Right, but they've they, they moved, turned to the they WAC. Moved, they yeah. moved out of the Sun Belt right. to go independent. Which didn't make much sense for them anyway. Travel-wise, no. right. They, they, didn't, they didn't like – it was a, a cost-saving move. Um, right. You know – travel and it's the whack would be beneficial to them or even conference usa which puts them yeah. right there with utep and you know all those teams on those west the western texas you know area but right if they if the whack football does exist it gives them a chance to maybe drop down and move into the whack and it gives an fcs conference really whole in california because really it's it's cal poly and uc davis and san diego there's no real conference because the, they're all part of the Big Sky, which is based farther north. Yeah. There's no real FCS conference that you can say, okay, they are, you know, their hotbed is California, and we know how much how much talent comes out of there. We see it every year on the Pac-12. Well, that's that's a great point because think about it, you could pull those two California schools out of the Big Sky. Ooh, that I don't know. See, here's the thing though: are they too? Because if, if we're going with the whack again as a non-scholarship, those two teams are good enough to play in the big sky and compete for national titles do you really want to drop away their scholarships well who said that who said the whack is going down scholarship that's a true point too yeah that's they're, they're, point too. they wouldn't go football to go nine scholarship um and if you're talking tarleton state and dixie state they, they're full they're going to be full scholarship anyway right so you you look at those two plus pulling out some california schools now you have sort of a you know like you said a, a footprint in that um 
in that area. Now, what we didn't talk about, and which should make things very interesting, which probably could take some of the pressure off these programs, because remember, at one point in time, there was a Western footprint in the FCS. You had yeah. Pacific, you had Cal State Northridge, you had yeah. Long Beach State, you had Cal State Fullerton. Um, so you had teams playing football in the Western part of the country. You had Santa Clara. So now let's say with the, the news of you know, athletes being able to make money off their likeness, does that take some of the pressure off athletic programs and, you know, the cost of athletics or adding football? So maybe you could see a Long Beach State come back, Pacific, maybe. Cal State Northridge, Cal State Fullerton. Um, maybe they are enticed now to join the WAC and start football. And also now you have a, a Western footprint in the FCS. And I wish we could have a whole podcast just to talk about that with the new uh, the bill, the Fair pay, fair play fair Pay for Play bill that was signed just this past week in California. We will talk about that on the uh, FC, uh, football, college football tailgate show, uh, which we will hopefully uh, we'll post that to YouTube, I think, just to, you know. Get yeah, there's a show. there's a lot of dumb opinions about that. that there's a lot that of I discussion. I can't wait to tackle, man. Not, and, not a yeah. discussion. Dumb opinions. Because <laughs> it shouldn't be a discussion. It's it shouldn't be a cut discussion. and dry. All right. Well, I was going to ask you about your opinion, but I think I already got a sense <laughs> of that. But. All right, so those are the two teams we know are moving up to Division One. Getting back to the main topic here of Division One expansion, FCS expansion. Those are the two teams that are guaranteed they are moving up. It's happening. The rumor is, and the application process has begun, that there could be a third team moving up to the FCS. And this is a, a very weird story, folks, so <laughs> bear with us. And that is the story of the Tommies, St. Thomas of Minnesota. Now, this is a storied program in Division 3. They are a storied program for a lot of sports at the Division 3 level. They were part of the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. They had a great rivalry with uh, St. John's University of Minnesota. Big rivalry game there. Uh, you know, went to the Stag Bowl, national title contenders. You know, really, really good. Well, a couple of years, <laughs> last year, May 22nd, St. Thomas was involuntarily removed from the MIAC because they were winning too much. They were kicked out of their conference because they won too much. If there's any poster child for the argument of this year's generation is too soft, that is it. We, you won too much, but we're kicking you out. Well, St. Thomas, for the past year or so, have been kind of a, an enigma. We don't know where they've been or where, where they want to go. Well, now we have an idea. They've announced, as of a couple days ago, that they have been invited to the Summit League. For most sports so that takes care of most of the problem but now the question is what do they do for football well they have applied to become another fcs independent moving all the way up forget d2 we're moving all the way to d1 this would be really interesting to see one where they would fit because there's really no fcs team in the state of minnesota so where does this go from here if this application goes forward where do they end up pioneer league because they already okay. do non-scholarship in division three yep easiest transition would be Pioneer League and the Pioneer League would be would love to have them because of the footprint that they have in that part of the country and yep. you talk about what Valpo uh, Dayton um, Davidson David well, Davidson is in North Davidson's, Carolina yeah Davidson's a little but you look at yeah. you know um, the teams that are in Drake is in Iowa so yeah. that kind of puts them within the region um, like, um, yeah so you look at you look at where they can where they can go I think the Pioneer League makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because you don't want to throw them in the Missouri Valley. Butler is in the Indianapolis, so yeah, it's, it's right a, it, along the lines. And we talk about, um, you know, the the WAC expansion. If San Diego decides to be like Georgetown and be the only uh, non-scholarship team in a scholarship conference, yeah, they can move out west, which is very feasible for them travel-wise, right, and therefore the Pioneer truly becomes a, a Midwestern, sort of Ohio Valley-ish yeah. conference, you know, as far as footprint. Yeah, they kind of they kind of make up that middle ground between Ohio Valley, Missouri Valley right. conference area. Right, they're right area. there. Because you talk about, you look at the state of college football, you don't see a lot, you see a lot of FBS in Michigan, mm -hmm. not a lot of FCS. No FCS, I don't think. I don't think there's a single team from Michigan in the FCS. Right, there? there's a lot of D2. A lot of D2, a lot of really good D2s in Michigan, in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, you get them all in D three level. You get right. the you know the Wisconsin Whitewaters of the world, uh, the St. Thomas's and St. John's um, of the world in Minnesota. 
So they're just going to go, that's the thing though, they're skipping right over D2 where there's some really good programs in their state. Minnesota State is fantastic. Uh, Minnesota Mankato uh, has had another good year. Well, I, I it's, just, so, it's interesting that they're going to, uh, I would find it interesting if they allowed them to move up right to Division One. Well, we've seen this before. I want to say um, it was the Dayton rule that made, you know, if you're going to be D1 in all sports, you can't have D3 football. Right. And so in order for that to happen, Dayton had to move up to D1, but they went non-scholarship D1. Right. In order for everything else to be D1. This is the same thing with St. Thomas. And you don't want to go from non-scholarship to – because in Division II, you have, there's no non-scholarship Division II league. Right. You do have the luxury of having a non-scholarship Division I league in uh, the Pioneer and the Ivy League. Right. Uh, so when you look at the Pioneer being like the best of both worlds, you're playing D1 football. We always talk about how good the Pioneer has gotten. Yeah. It's a great opportunity to play D1. They're quietly – because Wisconsin goes from – I'm sorry, Minnesota goes from University of Minnesota to D2. There yeah. are no – FCS programs. So these D2 and D3 schools, you push down a level. The Division II schools in Minnesota are essentially FCS programs. And those Division III schools in Minnesota are essentially Division II programs. So not only can they make the move up athletically, they could hit the ground running and be very good in the Pioneer League. Exactly. And you look at, like, you talk about programs like Minnesota State, Minnesota Duluth, Bemidji. These are all teams that are nationally ranked. They're powerhouses in Division II. Um, but as you mentioned, we talk about this, the uh, especially in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and D3, and you can say this too with Ohio. You look at Mount Union, powerhouse Division three program because nobody wants. There's no real FCS programs, no big powerhouse programs outside of Youngstown, really, at FCS level in Ohio. So people go to Mount Union, and that's why they're in the title game every single year. This is going to be really interesting. If this goes through, it's going to be really interesting to see how long they end up in the Pioneer League. I wonder if in the future. With the, with the tradition that this program has, whether Missouri Valley or OVC might be in their future. What part of non-scholarship do you not get? Why are you trying to keep, continue I'm, to force them to be, be scholarship just, football? I'm saying they are a good enough program. If they are as good as you say, which I think they are, I think they could eventually, not in the near future, in the distant future, move to scholarship football. I think they're that because of their program and what they're able to accomplish year to year. That's my thought on it. Oh, that's uh, – I mean, listen, it's – Sounds good in theory. That's like saying the Ivy League could then move up to join the, you know, American Athletic Association and be good. You know, <laughs> well, like well, apparently the Ivy League is uh, apparently they're uh, they're not worth even mentioning on this podcast because uh, you know they don't play for anything except for the Ivy League title. So we can just kind of, I mean, it's up to you. Do you want to skip over them? I, I think they're pretty good with the most NFL players in the league a couple years ago in the NFL. But hey, that's just me. <laughs> here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing it's about uh, St. Thomas. You know, St. Thomas is. Again, when you watch them play, they've had a couple guys that have had uh, NFL training camp opportunities. Yeah, uh, there's CFL the occasional opp- player from D three yeah. that gets it in, and it usually comes from a program like this. Um, so, I think they can hit the ground running and be very good in the Pioneer League. I actually am looking forward to this move. This is one of these evergreen topics we can always go oh, yeah. back to. Absolutely, that, that and the. Bowl games, <laughs> FCS bowl games. Just give them to us. We it's what we need. We just just shoot it right into our veins. Anyway, let's get into the week seven preview now. This is again we're at the midway point of the season, pretty much now at weeks coming into week seven. This is I could not. There were so many games here. I'm just gonna list them off for my telling trap unsung and best games of the week because there are some incredible matchups coming up this week. My telling games of the week. Uh, McNeese at Central Arkansas after McNeese's win this week. They're back in the conversation. San Diego at Davidson. Huge game in the uh, in the Pioneer League. Sanford at VMI. Who's for real? Simo at Austin P. Interesting ball game. Cal Poly at UC Davis. Can UC Davis recover? My biggest one, though, this week, and it's also an unsung game, Sacramento State at Montana State. We're going to really see which how good is Montana State. Are they deserving of a top 10 ranking? And is Sacramento State worthy of maybe being in the top 10? 20 or top 15. I'm surprised you didn't put Bucknell and Colgate in the mix. <laughs> Somebody who, has who to Who would win. have thought those two teams, like Colgate, Bucknell, I thought maybe one of those teams we thought might be winless at this right. point of the year. Bucknell, I'm sorry, but it was just never meant to be for you. Colgate, what the hell is happening? <laughs> Honestly, they lost to Lehigh this week. 
What happened to their defense? Man. Did they all go to the NFL and I missed it? What well, happened? I think a lot of it is the offense just hasn't injury plagued, number one, but also yes. it hasn't been able to get its footing. <coughs> offense used to be able to run the ball, score, and then defense used to choke people out. And yeah. that hasn't been the case. The fact that they were winless is still shocking to me. Let's go. Do, I've got a, only a couple trap games for me this week. And the first one is Delaware going on the road to Elon. Now, Elon's fallen off the map quite a bit. They were, you know, some people were giving them votes, maybe bottom of their top 25s a few weeks ago. They've fallen off pretty hard the last couple weeks. That's why it's perfect for Delaware to maybe think, okay, this is an easy walkover game. So that's why I've got that one in there. And then we got the other one that we'll actually talk about later is Lafayette at Princeton. We'll break that down in just a second. So, but the Delaware Elon game for the Blue Hens, this is like this is what happened to you last year. Don't trip on a game like Elon. Basically, is what we're saying here. Uh, the unsung games this week, there's a lot of them. Again, Prairie View A&M at Southern, critical game in the SWAC West. Uh, another quit, uh, critical game in the MEAC, Florida A&M at South Carolina State. Big, big ball game. Um, we mentioned UT Martin at Tennessee Tech, huge for the OVC. North Dakota at Idaho State. Again, Idaho State, one of those teams where I said, Dark Horse, North Dakota, trying to prove that they belong. Yale at Dartmouth. Huge ball game in the Ivy, both teams starting with a 3-0 start. I'm surprised that wasn't the, the stats FCS game of the week. Yeah, you know, it's the Ivy League. They don't count. Craig hates <laughs> undefeated teams, man. <laughs> Craig, Craig hates every team that you like and every team that you don't like. He'll like them to make sure that you don't like them so that he <laughs> don't like them with you. Uh, let's get into I got three games that are going to be really good this week. Obviously, the Bison at home. Another ranked team comes to call, Northern Iowa. Whether or not they actually cause any <laughs> any concern to the Bison, I doubt it. Um, no Villanova at JMU. I mean, this is critical. This is a massive, massive contest to see who wins the CAA title. And South Dakota State at Youngstown. Really, really good ball games this week. There's a ton of them out there, folks. Let's talk about some of the other ones that are maybe off the beaten track. Um, and a couple we just mentioned here. But let's start with Robert Morris at St. Francis. Two teams that have played better than what the records show. It's going to be an interesting ball game here. Yeah, and this is going to be a game where Robert Morris shows some fight. I mean, they beat VMI. And again, we both thought VMI was going to go in there and, and move on. VMI's not going to have any problem with that. Right. No. And so this is a huge game for Robert Morris and, and one for St. Francis, who's quietly been playing some good football. By the way, VMI, stop playing with our emotions. First you lose to Robert Morris, then you knock off the Citadel. What the hell is happening in Lex Vegas? In both games, though, we saw like their offense is their <laughs> offense is for real. Like their offense VMI can score. Look, look out Army West at uh, up at West Point maybe in a couple of weeks. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Wouldn't even go that for, far. Army like, has like legit – Army defense. Like, oh, they did like, lose to Tulane this week. The reason way. why they lost to Tulane was because Tulane's uniforms was glorious. <laughs> they went with the sea green pants with the green and white stripe down the side with the classic UT on the helmet with the green and white stripe on uh, what was the sea, the, the sea green, a uh, sea blue um, helmet, too. So I don't blame Army for losing to Tulane. <laughs> They were done before before they even once Tulane stepped on the field and that was what they were wearing. It's over fifteen to nothing. The military didn't stand a chance. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Navy beating Air Force this week. Nice win for them in the Commander Chiefs Trophy. Let's talk about a game. We're both going to be at this game on Friday night. Princeton, uh, the target on their back in the Ivy League, hosting Lafayette. Lafayette still struggling, even though they've again shown some signs that they are a better football team than the record shows. This could be an interesting one. What are you watching in this game? Kevin Davidson, the quarterback. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his game. Wanted to see how he throws the football. Just from a scouting perspective, I'll be looking at Davidson. Um, there are also some good defenders there I'll be looking at as well. I know the free safety is a real good pro prospect for, for uh, Princeton. So I'm going to be watching the pro prospects for Princeton, but also getting familiar with what uh, Lafayette has to offer. A lot of a lot of talk about uh, that I've talked about him on this podcast before uh, is their quarterback at Lafayette, who's really opened a lot of eyes uh, over the last couple of weeks, and Keegan Shoemaker, the true freshman out of Texas, he's—I like his game. Uh, be interesting to see what you think uh, when we're at this game. Let's move on to the Big South now. Monmouth uh, barely squeaked by with a win over Wagner last week in a local contest. Now they take on Presbyterian. Monmouth has to start showing up in these games and start winning by bigger points if they're going to be a two-team bids out of the Big South this year. And that's where I was going to go with my point. This is a game where, and there's no slight to Presbyterian, but this is because nobody game, blows out Presbyterian. It, bingo! And so, if you're <laughs> able to blow out Presbyterian, it not only raises some eyebrows, but it puts you on notice that okay, this is a team that we came in the game that we were supposed to win big by, and we did. 
They need a huge game against the Blue Holes. They need to basically win all their games remaining in a big way, including Kennesaw, Monmouth, if they want any chance. If they can get over that Kennesaw hump, we talked about that at the media day when we were there. That might be the only way that the Big South gets two teams is if Monmouth beats Kennesaw and wins the conference because Kennesaw is going to get in. There you go. I don't um, know. I don't know, man. We talked about – There's a it, lot of talk about them too, a lot of haters of Kennesaw State. Not really. I'll, I wouldn't say haters. If Kennesaw doesn't win the conference, they lose to Monmouth, people will look at Kennesaw's schedule and say this is why you can't get in that Which is bit. what a lot of the haters have been saying. Hey, check out what who they've beaten and then tell me they're a top 10 team. Which, Shout out to Reinhardt. You know what? I can see where they're coming from on that one. <laughs> Speaking of which – well, we mentioned it. Cornell Bucknell. Cornell at Harvard. Cornell Oh, Harvard. no, no. Bucknell. You're right. Cornell at Bucknell. Yeah. This, this is. Wait um, a minute. Cornell at Cornell. I think <laughs> I have. Hold on. I know. We've got our. We have a note confusion we here, no, folks. Because I have Cornell playing. You know why? Here's what happened. A full disclosure. Um, Someone was tired, folks. No, no, no. This is what. This is always what happens when I'm in the press box. Cornell plays co- uh Cornell, Cornell, Cornell plays Harvard. Harvard. Bucknell has Colgate. Yes, um, there we so, go. So I guess we wanted the Bucknell Colgate game. Well, we talked about Bucknell Colgate already, but <laughs> let's talk Cornell Harvard. Yeah, but here's what happens when I when I'm full full disclosure when I'm making up these games to talk about for the opening drive because we don't want to get into the bigger <laughs> games on the schedule because we can at, you can have to watch that you have to watch that at the FCS kickoff right. So while I'm I'm making these this list at the Giants game while I'm in the press box before the game, <laughs> you're kicks distracted. Off, right? You're distracted by poor play. Every poor- time it, it, it it's <laughs> one of my pet peeves. If I'm if you see me sitting there writing or you know highlighting or doing stuff, I'm working on something. Do not talk to me. <laughs> and so and you know I'm not a rude dude. So people come and talk. I'm always cordial and talking and speaking. And next thing you know, I'm getting sidetracked because Dana Jones and I have Dana to make Jones. I have to make a you know make a you know a reason to go to the bathroom or something like that so I can get away and, and finish doing what I was doing. So <laughs> I'm writing these. I'm, so should I not text you at Giants games anymore? Is that well, I'm saying like every is always <laughs> like when they see you sitting there. And, and granted, some of these people only see you once a week, you right. know, and is usually at the game. And they always want to ask questions because you know you do a lot. Where or where were you Saturday? Or you know what what you think about this upcoming game? Like. It can wait for 15 minutes. Let me get a script out. Let me get the, these games down. So that's why we have these mix-ups. Cornell-Harvard. What do you think about this ball game? Harvard has actually looked really good this year. Good. good so has Cornell. Attack. And Cornell has, you know, shown that they have good defense. I love the fact that they can run the football. This game will be a very good one, more so than what people probably expect them to be. A lot of people look at the name Cornell-Harvard and think Harvard's going to just run right. through them. But this is going to be a real good game. I think it's more of a telling game than anything. It could be a really interesting ball game. We'll see what happens there. Let's move to the MEAC now. Howard taking on Norfolk State, two teams that have really kind of struggled now. Norfolk State has put some good fights in but haven't gotten the results. Howard, same thing. What do we see from this ball game? I feel bad for Latrell Scott, the head coach at Norfolk State, because you're right. They've been competitive in every ball game, and they show a lot of fight. They show that they're talented. They can go toe-to-toe with a lot of teams. Yeah. Howard is a, is a, is a mess right now with Ryan Prince and all the allegations coming out of bullying and – the the you know yeah. all that stuff that a lot that, of stuff that we lot don't want to get in. we don't yeah. really want to get into it too much because it is still allegations yeah still allegations point. of you know abuse and it's like man so yeah we, it overshadowed the historic game last weekend against Harvard first time Harvard has played in HBCU first time Howard has played in Ivy League school yeah um that was a real historic game but with the allegations and all that going into that game kind of overshadowed that monumentous uh moment. So I'll be interested to see what Howard team shows up at home. I know what Norfolk State team will show up because, look, one, Latrell Scott is a great coach, great recruiter, great developer of talent. This is a team that should be sitting at at least 4-1. and one. I, I I really like Norfolk State's makeup. Yeah, it's, it's going to be – that will be hopefully something that Norfolk State can get into. One last game we'll talk about here, North Dakota taking on Idaho State. The Bengals have been kind of a dark horse to some this year. They've struggled a little bit. North Dakota, though, again – Two wins over top 25 programs. They're trying to become the first independent to possibly make the FCS playoffs since 2003. Florida Atlantic was the last team to do that. Thank you, Craig Haley, for that information. That's an awesome nugget right there by Craig Haley. That's a great staff from Craig Haley. I wish I could take credit for it, but I won't. Uh, But North Dakota, this is one of those games where they've got some big games on the schedule coming up. They can't look past Idaho State. This is a good game. I'm actually interested to see how this one plays out because North Dakota, I love the running game. I love what they do with the the you know the depth of their tailbacks. They have a really good uh, process going on out there, and you know just excellent football they play. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. 
Idaho State is that flying the ointment team. Yep. Has a they have a really good chance to make some noise here in the big sky. And I even though this is an independent, you know, it's it's a it's a shaky independent. They could they, win the big sky without exactly, being in the big sky. Right, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> all right, they're independent. Yeah, it's technicality, but sure, maybe. Yeah. Uh, nah, no. <laughs> so, we'll talk about that one later. By the way, before we get into where you're going to be this week, I want to mention something that I saw over the past week from Division Three, real quick, and that is the Cortica Jug battle okay. between Ithaca and Cortland. This year, it's going to be played at Giant Stadium at East Rutherford. I believe it's the 60th anniversary, give or take. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know about this rivalry, folks. It is intense. The fact, the, fact, the fact of the matter is there was a riot in 2013 at this game between fans and police. Nice. So it's, been, it's an absolutely heated rivalry. Over 30,000 tickets have been sold for this game, for a D3 game wow. at, Giant, at MetLife Stadium. Should they go scholarship and, and go into the, the you know? Maybe. <laughs> have, have, going to Springfield and having to play well, Ithaca a lot of the time, it's, they could have. At, 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 a current, at a certain point, they could have. Stop it, Dave. Ithaca has won the last two meetings, by the way, after Cortland had won, eight, had won seven in a row. So this game kind of goes in fluxes, but it's going to be really cool to see that many fans at for a D3 football game. For a D3 game. We, we've seen stuff like this before, you know, when you have the Ivy League playing at, at you know, baseball stadiums. Yeah, Fenway. Fenway. Yeah. Uh, this is this is going to be excellent for, for the area because I, I don't think a lot of people give Division Three football their, their credit for, you know, their history. Yeah. And, you know, when you get these two teams that are upstate New York teams playing now in the big city and also in the big stadium, that it's not surprising that – They've yeah. sold this many tickets. Huge game. And we'll see if that becomes maybe a regular thing. Because it used to be a home and away. Maybe it's now a neutral site game. Anyway, let's get on to week seven. Obviously, we said we're both going to be at Princeton Lafayette uh, down at the uh, the beautiful grounds of Princeton on Friday night. But where are you going to be on Saturday? Saturday, I will be the color analyst for uh, the Morgan State-Delaware State game. So, okay. great opportunity. Second opportunity to see... Uh, Tyrone Wheatley and his Morgan State Bears, and first time to see Coach Milstead, Rod Milstead, who I'm a big fan of, and and the second year of his development of his Delaware State program. Right. Um, so it's gonna, it should be a great game. I know Delaware State plays tough. This was a, a tough game for them last year. I saw them versus Howard last year. Excited to see the progress in year two under Rod Milstead. Also to see what uh, Coach Wheatley was able to build on in his couple of weeks out there at Morgan State. Morgan State still looking for their first win of That's an ESPN3 game, by the way, too. But remember, Morgan State They Morgan State last year was enigmatic. They knocked off A&T, then they knocked off Delaware State, they knocked off Norfolk State and Savannah State last year. They, they You never could figure them out. Uh, having a little trouble this year, uh, currently uh, 0-5 after losing to Bethune-Cookman in a good ball game last week. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. Again, Anything else you want to add in there? Yeah, it's funny because I just got – because I am a member of the American Football Coaches Association. Right. And so they just released the top 25, the coaches poll. Okay. You, would you be interested to hear that? I would be very interested to hear the coaches poll. All right, one through five, North, North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State, Kennesaw at four, Weber at five. Thoughts? Kennesaw too high. Weber about where I would expect them. Kennesaw a little bit too high for me. Six through ten, Montana State, Villanova, Montana, Towson, Northern Iowa. Thoughts? That's only, actually not bad. The only team I would have is Northern Iowa, but they'll only by a couple spots. I had them at 12. Having them at 10, I'm, I'm fine with that. 11 through 15, Furman, Nichols, Illinois State, A&T, Delaware. <sighs> this is not yeah, bad either. Not I, bad either. No, it's it's they're kind of mirroring each other to just slight differences with them in the stats poll, but I, I don't mind that one. 16 through 20, Central Arkansas, Youngstown State, Jacksonville State, Princeton, Maine. Good to I, Interesting to see Princeton in there getting rewarded for that undefeated start. Um, yeah, I, I got no problem there. That, I, I think it's pretty good so far, right? Maine's, Maine's a little low for me still, but that, I can see why they're down that far. I had Maine low too. Yeah. But here's the thing. The only thing I have disagreed with so far is Kennesaw being four. Yeah, that, that's way too high right. for them right now. I'm sorry. 21 through 25, UC Davis, Southeast Missouri State, Stony Brook, Sam Houston State, Southeast Louisiana. I, I – I don't see a problem with that either. No Eastern Washington. It dropped out Eastern Washington, Houston Baptist. See, I'm a little surprised Houston Baptist was already ranked. I remember I had him in my top 25 last week. Right, but I I think they still needed to win one more game, and they lost to Incarnate Word, so of course that makes sense. Others receiving votes, so this is 26 through 30 or whatever. North Dakota, 
Okay. Sac State. Yep. Yale, Dartmouth, South Carolina State, Austin P, Houston Baptist, Tennessee Tech, Eastern Washington, Wofford, Cal Poly, New Hampshire, Campbell, Campbell. Uh, okay. Central Connecticut State, Idaho, and last one, Incarnate Word. Interesting. I, I don't have a lot of problem with that. Top I know, right? Because Kennesaw was the only one I had a problem with. Like the top ten is pretty solid, except for Kennesaw. I think everybody kind of has those teams in there, but then it's kind of a, a nebulous of okay, I can make an argument for these five teams. I can also make an argument for these exact different five right. teams somewhere else. It, it's it's there's really kind of a who knew a the coaches su- could do it right. <laughs> is it, are you saying that's the first? Well, considering they're playing games on Saturday, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah true. They, they've had enough time for game film. That, that's, what the, <laughs> that's what the unpaid interns are for. That's what I'm, that's all I'm saying. That's true. Folks, that's going to do it for the FCS Opening Drive Podcast. Again, if you want to listen back on this, it is on demand. SoundCloud, iTunes, search Football Game Plan, subscribe while you're there, give us a five-star rating, and let us know if you want something else to improve, you want to see something else in the show, just let us know. Again, we are on the Game Plus Network in the New York metropolitan area on Optimum. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with our best bet segment with uh, Troy Anthony and Alex Marinoni giving you uh, how you should be betting since it's now legal here. If it is not legal in your state where you're listening, don't do it. Uh, We're going to try to put some, if if I can find the, the betting lines for FCS games, I'll try to put them in the kickoff this week. They usually come out yeah. late, so I'll try to get them We'll see what speed. we can do. Yeah. We can see what we do. If you people are impulsive betters out there. They are. Uh, <laughs> again, we have the NFL All-32 show as well as the NFL All-32 podcast. Uh, we've got a coaching casualty to talk about here, and it's a firing from Washington that's not happening in the West Wing. That's a rarity in the last few couple of years. And, of course, we got the um, FCS conference whip around with all of our correspondents breaking down all of 13 conferences because they all matter equally to us here at Football Game Plan. Enjoy week seven, folks. Enjoy uh, enjoy all the football all around the country. Good luck to your teams. Thanks for listening. From the Czar of the Playbook, Emory Hunt, this is David Hasagan. We'll see you next week.